Welcome to Relevant Live with Pastor Chris Sarno, a weekly podcast from Relevant Church in Daytona Beach, Florida. We pray that this message inspires hope, help, and healing in your life. And as always, welcome home. God chose the church to be the place that you got your problems solved. You solved other people's problems, and they solved your problems. That was what the church was all about. Sadly, like it is with America, when we actually had created help from the government to be able to help people, that wasn't so that it could actually become a life for them. It was to be able to help them through life until they could get back on their feet and to be able to help them during difficult moments in life. But somehow people figured out how to go beyond all of that and make it one generation, two generations, three generations, five generations. I have actually people in our congregation that are four generations recipients. These people have been on the side of being able to be a recipient of the government benevolence for four, five generations. And the thing that you must know is simple, is that the same thing has happened inside the church. Is that instead of solving people's problems, which is the reason why people were created, what it is is that they really believe that other people are supposed to solve theirs. You're a Christian. You have to forgive me. You're a Christian. If I need something, you're supposed to give it to me. Why is it that we know so well what other people are supposed to do but we rarely find out what we're supposed to do. People believe more in your Christianity than they believe in their own. And, and so the thing that you need to know about coming together is so that that sparks inside of you. The gift that God placed down on the inside of you so that you would never feel like you were working. It felt like you were giving. Because when you're giving... At the moment that you are passing who you are and what you have into another person's life, you are more like God than you will ever be the rest of your days. Because somebody said, well, God, God what, what is God? He said, well, God is love. Well, no, not really. You need to go a little deeper. God is giving. The purpose of every relationship is giving. If you look and see you'll find out that what happens is was that people think that they're supposed to, they have that person in their life because so that person can give to them. Well, no, wait a minute. You don't determine what I'm supposed to be. I need for you to focus on what you're supposed to be. Then I can focus on what I need to give to you. You can't decide what I'm supposed to give. That happens in the home. It happens in marriage. It happens in a whole bunch of relationships that it never should happen. And then it stops being giving. It begins to be taking. You understand that? We began last night talking about the Holy Spirit. Tonight what I want to do is something that I really believe is a life changer for every person that I ever speak to on this subject. And what I want to talk to you about tonight is I want to talk to you about the infilling of the Holy Spirit. The infilling of the Spirit. 
In John chapter 16, verse number 13, I want to make sure that you look at the scriptures as though you have never seen them before. That they're brand new. That this is a new revelation. This is new information. This, and it will bring new transformation to you. In John 16, 13, the Bible tells us, how be it when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he'll guide you into all the truth. You see, the first thing that you can expect from the Holy Spirit is to be able to guide you into the truth. But not if you're not asking him, not if you're not looking for him to do so. How many times did we ever think that we were doing what the Spirit wanted us to do and we got ourselves in a jam? Why? Because we never actually found that the Holy Spirit was leading us into something according to his rules. When we get back together on Sunday, like Lo and Roxanne were talking about this morning when I come back, we're going to talk about, uh, we're going to talk about culture. Culture. If you have a problem, you have a cultural problem. That's what you have. You see, God has called people from every tribe, every kindred, every tongue, and every nation. We can't bring in all of these cultures to the church what it is, is that when we come together, we come together to create one new man, one new culture. And we're going to talk about that one new culture and how it is that we kind of give up some of the things that we grew up with and we begin to embrace the things that God wants us to grow up in. And so when the Holy Spirit comes to a person's life, he will guide you into all the truth. It's because he's not going to speak of himself, but that which he hears. Everyone say, that which he hears. He's okay, that which he hears, he will also speak, and he will show you things to come. He's going to show you things to come. Why? So you can avoid evil. So you can enter into good. So that you can actually begin to know the future in your life and in the life of your children and those that are around you, he's going to show you those things. You can expect that the Holy Spirit is going to reveal the things about your family. Why? Because you have been given authority when it comes to your family. And the authority, remember this, that remember Psalm 133 where it says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is. For brothers to dwell together in unity, he said it is like the precious oil that comes down upon the head and it comes down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, and it comes down all the way to the edge of his robe. It is like Hermon's dew. He said that it comes down upon the mountains, upon the mountains of Zion. Well, remember this, is that the oil or the anointing of God comes down from the authority authority of God. Why do you think James chapter 3, verse number 1, I can take you through the scriptures about all of this, so don't, don't doubt me, just go with me. James chapter 3, verse number 1, the Bible says, my brethren, he said, be not many teachers. He said, for we shall receive a greater condemnation. God will judge Chris Sarno over the issues of the teaching that he tells you. 
he lives in judgment of God. As teachers and leaders, we don't necessarily get to live under the grace of God as much as the people do. We live under God's criticism all the time. What kind of life we live, what kind of things we teach, what kind of behavior we display. Those kinds of things before you. Because if we make a mistake before you, does God forgive us? Forgiveness isn't the issue. What happens is, is that it comes out in your life. One, like Pastor Chris said, won't be next week, maybe two weeks, three weeks, you begin to see something. What happened when Jimmy Swaggart fell? How many millions of people fell away from the church? When Jim Baker fell, what did it do to people's faith? And so just the same way that the people who are the secular rulers in our nation, the same way that they actually made criminal those individuals is the same way that the secular leaders of our nation are making you a criminal today. Because you as a Christian, see, they don't mind you being uh, politically a person who has social justice. They don't mind that. What they mind is, is that you mention that Jesus is the only way to salvation with God. That's the only thing that they mind. You will ne- if you live a Christless Christianity, that doesn't bother them. What bothers them is the moment that you talk about the cross. The reason why it bothers them is because the cross is an offense to the world. Why do you think just, just recently over this last week, there, has been, there was a 30-foot marble cross that was erected by the mothers of the world or the World War I um, men that had been killed. And what are they doing? They're actually stating that they want to pull that cross down over the fact that not everyone that died in World War I was a Christian. And thus, how in the world could you ever have a cross? Now, I don't necessarily have a feeling about this other thing, but I do. I am concerned over the fact that whether right or wrong or indifferent, that what we did was we actually pulled down 150-year statues of the generals of the Confederacy. I'm bothered by that, not necessarily because of the, the, um, the different flags. I don't even know what they look like. But I'm not bothered by that. What I'm bothered by is I'm bothered by people stealing your heritage from you, from whichever side of it you come from. They, they actually strip that. Why? So they can give you a new one. And when they give you a new one, they're going to give you a false one. Why do they give you a false one? Because they can control the false one. They, can't, they cannot control truth or they cannot control things that happened. But what they can control is that they can control the kind of things that become the narrative of your future. That's the reason why with the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit always will agree. The Spirit and the Word, 1 John chapter 2, the Spirit and the Word always agree. 
John chapter 6, verse number 63, Jesus said this, it is, the, it, is the, it is the flesh that kills, it is the spirit that makes alive. He said, these words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. With that in mind, their spirit and their life, let's see this verse again. Howbeit when he, the spirit, the words that Jesus speak are, speaks are spirit and they are life. When he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all the truth. He will guide. How does God guide me into the truth? Does he guide me into the truth by a voice? No. Voices are the very things that deceive you. Now remember when Jesus in Matthew chapter 4, and forgive me for digressing about all of this, but I want to get you the background of all of this. Remember, because, because remember this, the things which were written, Romans 15, 4, says these things which were written aforetime were written for our learning, so that we, through patience and comfort of the scriptures, would receive hope. Jesus in Matthew chapter 4 and Matthew 3, if you go all the way back to verse number 16, you find that Jesus enters into the river and is baptized by his cousin, John the Baptist, who it just so happens to be six months older than Jesus. He gets, he comes toward the river, John the Baptist sees him, and he says this, he said, no, 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 let this not be so, that you, you should be baptizing me, I should not be baptizing you. Jesus said these words, he said it, he said, let it be so for now that we may fulfill all righteousness. This is what God has said. So let you and I do the word. They said to John the Baptist, are you the Christ? He said, no. Isaiah chapter 35 says, I am the voice of, the, of one that is crying in the wilderness Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. So what we don't understand is how everyone actually was, actually was taking something from that which was written and actually then doing what was written, not what they had inside their mind. To the point. Are you following me so far? Are you okay? Okay. To the point when Matthew chapter 4 happens, Jesus is actually comes up out of the water. God says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Then the spirit driveth him or leads him into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Are you kidding me? Jesus was led into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Someday, I hope I get to talk to you about what I think the devil really is. But here it is that Jesus is led of the Spirit to be tempted of the devil into the wilderness. As he's led of the Spirit into the wilderness, the, and when the tempter, verse number 2, Matthew 4, verse 2, says, and when the tempter had come to him, he said these words. He said, if thou be the Son of God, change these stones into bread. 
Jesus said what? It is what? Remember this. Jesus destroyed evil with three words. No matter what, evil is destroyed by those three words. It is written all the time. Evil's killed by those three words. You stop evil the moment that you begin to speak those words. It is written. Now you just need to know what is written. Because it is written. It is there. Now I just need to know what it is that is there. Along with that, remember this. That Jesus, uh, Jesus was maybe, was he ever speaking to the devil? Or was he reminding himself? You've heard all of these thoughts inside your head. Thoughts that would even tell you that, hey, I'm God. I'm God. We go, okay, that's great. That's awesome. Here's what God told me. Now, the reason why that I can say this with as much guarantee or surety as I can is because I have done this for as long as I have. I've listened to people tell me all of these things that God has spoken to them. These things that... You know, God had actually given them a mandate to do. I've, I've heard all of these things, but it is only a remnant, only a few percentage points of out of 100% that people actually were truly spoken to by God. Because when Jesus actually responded to that thought, you have thoughts. You respond to thoughts every day. Approximately 3,500 decisions that you make every single day. So on a daily basis, you respond to things inside of your mind 3,500 times with a particular bias. That bias of you... I have people that, that work with me, and, and so I can say that because I know it to be true. I know that whichever a person, whichever person it comes from, let's say that there's a group text. I do not like group texts. I wish I could shut them off on my phone. You know, well, yeah, you can actually opt out of a group text, but it's a, it's a hassle. So, I mean, I just kind of like let it happen rather than answer all the questions of why did I opt out of the group text when I had a group text. So I don't do that. But, but here is the thing. I know who the person is who answers a particular way. Because I know each and every one of their biases. I know which ones are going to be positive about the decision that was made. I know each and every one that is going to be negative about the, about the things that are decided upon. And I know why. And neither one of those actually was the biblical reason why that they felt the way that they felt. Some people fall off the bed in the morning on the right side. Some people fall off the bed on the left side. Some people fall off on the negative side. Some people fall off on the positive side. If you tend to fall off the bed in the morning 
on the negative side, you need to put your bed against the wall so you can only fall off on the positive side. That's a way to deal with it. Just deal with it that way. Now, what's important to us in that is this, is that you don't think of things from the perspective of whether or not that you like it or whether you don't. That you only see things from the perspective that what does God say about this? What does God say about that? Because let me just say it to you. I mean, there, there's 15 different nationalities in this room easily. 15 different cultures without a big stretch. And so what we're doing is we're figuring out that other people are silly because look at, look at the crazy stuff that they do culturally. I mean, that isn't, that's not really weird. But also we have people that have different Christian flavors in our room. They have different Christian things. Why? Some were Lutheran, some were Baptist, some were Catholic. But all of us came together and we don't call ourselves anything. We call ourselves independent why? Because every time we fall off of something, every time we fall off the bed somewhere, what it is is that we have a certain level of exclusion. But we can't really tell anybody anything. We can't tell people about baptism. Why? Because there's three or four different ways people baptize in the room. Some people think you don't need to be baptized to be, to be a Christian. Some people believe that you need to be baptized to be a Christian. Other people in this room, when you begin to talk to them about baptism, they sprinkle. Other ones stick a kid's head down in the water. Other churches have sacristies. Other churches have Baptist, little baptistries where what you do is you put the kid's head down in there. Other people pour water onto a child's head. Some people won't baptize. They won't baptize um, a child until they come to the age of what they call the age of accountability. To where, see, notice there, I can, I can pick you out because some of you go like this when I say that and others of you go, that's, because that's exactly right. Now, what does that mean? We believe seven or eight different things. Do you know what we believe? Nothing. So we don't talk about it. We don't really talk about sin. We can't define really what sin is because sin to one person inside this room just so happens to be the very thing that is okay in a different culture. That's the reason why that we have to have a biblical culture about everything that we do. I was called into Singapore a number of years ago when the proverbial grace issue um, got very big. And I was asked by... At that time, the, the, the largest church in, in that country of Singapore, if I would come in and I would teach on the subject of antinomianism. Antinomianism is what was called the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. Do you remember there in the book of Revelation chapter 2? And Jesus said concerning the, the, um, one of the churches he was facing off with, and he said to them, he said, one thing you have going for you. 
He said that you hate the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Well, now, where did the doctrine of the Nicolaitans come from? It came from Nicholas. Nicholas was actually one of the first, um, the first different deacons of the church. He was one of the seven guys that were chosen out in Acts chapter 6. Well, what is the doctrine of the Nicolaitans? Everything goes. It's that, you know what? Hey, how can you say that this is wrong? You can't say this is wrong. You become a, you're critical. You're negative. You're all these things. That's why I'm saying to you, if the Holy Spirit is going to lead you into the truth, the Holy Spirit is going to lead you into the word that he has authored. He authored. He authored this, this book. And in his authorship, whether there is approximately 795,000 words, there are 66 books, 1,189 chapters inside what we know the Bible to be. And inside of that, the Holy Spirit has something for every area of your life. Now with that, that's the reason why that we can actually give ourselves a definite direction about what being filled with the Spirit really means. At the end of tonight, and I'm just I'm going to speak for 18 more minutes, and then what I want to do is I actually want to, be, to ask you if you have any questions. I want to answer every question for you, and I want to show you in the Bible where the Bible actually speaks about what you're asking about. Because the Bible, there's no question that's stupid. There's no question that's wrong. What it is, is that are we really ready to be able to hear what the Spirit says about any area of our life? So remember this, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he'll lead us and guide us into all the truth because he's not going to speak of himself that which he hears, he's also going to speak, and he's going to show us things to come. But what does the Holy Spirit do? What does he do? The first thing is he reveals the divine. That's what he does. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17, it says, the Apostle Paul said, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. In intercession for other people. Stop interceding that they'll quit smoking. And start interceding that the Holy Ghost will give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that they will know him better. That the eyes, verse 18 says, that the eyes of their understanding will be enlightened in order that they would know the hope to which God has called them. To the riches of the glorious inheritance in the saints, and to his exceedingly great power towards us, because we believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at, your, at his own right hand. And the list goes on all the way to verse 23. So you, you actually know that what the Holy Spirit does is he reveals the divine. He needs to reveal to people the divine... The divine um, 
will of God, the divine direction of God. The second thing he does is that the Holy Spirit speaks. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 1, it says, Now the Spirit makes it clear. Another translation says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly. But here, the Spirit makes it clear that as time goes on, some are going to give up on the faith and chase after demonic illusions put forth by professional liars. There are people who stand in the pulpits that I stand in tonight that are professional liars. They are telling you what you want to hear. They See, I know when I stand up at any particular time, I could get tomatoes, I can get rocks, I can get all of these things because I'm only telling you what God said. I would rather have you mad at me than go home to my hotel and have the Holy Ghost strike me dead. Say, well, now, the, the you know, God, Holy Ghost isn't striking anybody dead in the New Testament. Tell that to Ananias and Sapphira. Yeah, exactly. As soon as you can answer the issue when they, with Ananias and Sapphira, you can tell me that the Holy Ghost is going to leave me alone. That way I'll lie to you. You see, I would rather have you hate me for telling you the truth and for you to love me for telling you lies. So remember, the Spirit speaks expressly that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits. Why? Because they will begin to tell you what you want to hear. I'm here to tell you, eat your vegetables. Eat your vegetables. Today we went over and saw Leanne uh, over at the, the place where, where she's at. And uh, Millie's, right? Millie's? Yeah, just, so that's just a little plug for Millie's. Nice little place. <laughs> and so, and, but I asked, Le, I asked Leanne, I said, can I have some more broccoli? That seems kind of weird for a kid who never ate greens. But if it's green, you can eat it. If it's white, don't eat it. I've learned that so far. That's all I know about life. If it's, if it's white, don't eat it. If, if it's brown, speaking of grains, you got to really watch yourself. But if it's green, it's a go. You know, it's not a problem. There's no problem with all of that. So remember, the Holy Spirit speaks. Well, what's another thing that he does? Is that he's going to help you. The Holy Spirit will help you. In Romans chapter 8, verse number 26, he says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness. Now, I didn't know I was weak, but he helps me in my weaknesses. For we do not know, and we spoke about this last night, we do not know what to pray for as we ought. He never told us. He never told us that we didn't know how to pray he told you that you don't know what to pray. Now, if God said to me, you don't know what to pray, I'd say, great, as long as you said you didn't say I didn't know how to pray. So Jesus said in Matthew 6, 9 through 13, he said, after this manner, therefore pray ye, my Father. You learned that in the Catholic Church. My Father. Which art in heaven, holy, 
or let me say it to you Catholic style, hallowed. Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, right? So we know he's going to help us. He told us that we didn't know how, uh, you know, we didn't know what to pray, not that we didn't know how to pray. So he then makes intercession for us. We make ourselves available. Remember that song we just sang, that one that the, the girls liked and they like to continue to sing, and, and, and it just, it's just a beautiful song. But re- remember, one of those lines was, I'm fully surrendered. I asked Oral Roberts one time, I said, Chancellor, I said, please help me. I said, I don't understand the issues of commitment in today's church. I said, what did you do? During your generation, what did you do about commitment? He said, oh, Rob, he said, we never talked about commitment. That word was never even part of our vernacular. And we only spoke about surrender. Never commitment. Because once a person surrenders, once you to surrender to who God has called you to be, there's no question about life. Once you surrender. So the next thing about the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit can be hurt. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 30, it says, And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, He's the one who has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Remember this. Grieve not, the King James says, grieve not the Spirit of God, whereby thou art healed unto the day of redemption. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. So let's talk about, for just a moment, the infilling of the Spirit. I said all of these kinds of things to bring us to this point. The infilling of God's spirit into a person's life. Now, if in fact that you'll do these things and you'll hold on to them, they will actually help you with every person. Many individuals, what they do is that they'll pray for people to be filled with the spirit. I'm going to just pray for you. Now, maybe you'll get it. Maybe you won't. Hold on, brother. Let go, brother. Hold on, it's coming. Let go. You're not letting yourself go. You need to let yourself. And I'm thinking, man, I got one guy telling me to hold on. I got another guy telling me to let go. And I I don't even know what I'm holding on to. I don't even know what I'm letting go of. I, I have no clue. That's because I had no truth, nor stepping stones to understand the infilling of God's Spirit to our lives. So when I tell you these things, I want to show you a path through the scriptures that once you do these things, you will be able to have 100% of the time, you will see 100% of people get filled with the Holy Ghost. 100% every time. So I want you to take all these scriptures down so that you understand how to be able to lead someone in that. And then when we're finished with that, 
Uh, when we're finished with that, I want to give you an opportunity to be able to ask any questions about the subject that you would like to. And then I'll turn it back to Pastor Chris. But here's the infilling of the Holy Spirit. In the book of Luke, chapter 3, here it was, John the Baptist was speaking, and he said these words, beginning with verse uh, oh, 16, or actually verse 16. John answered, speaking of John the Baptist, it said, John answered, saying unto them all, he said, I indeed baptize you with water, but there's one mightier than I that cometh, the latchet of whose shoes I'm not worthy to unloose. He'll baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Now, what I did in my Bible, I actually took my Bible and I wrote there, as long as you know that you need to go to Luke chapter 3, in Luke chapter 3, verse 16, where John said those words, and then you, I have it down here in my Bible that it's actually then I wrote myself Luke 11, 9 through 13. I wrote the next scripture in my Bible so that I could lead people inside of that. And what it did was it gave me a track to be able to run on so that I was able to help people. Because one of the things that is missing inside of what we'll call the independent or charismatic church now, one of the things that is missing is people being filled with the Spirit. There are more people being filled with the Holy Spirit in Baptist churches that are ever being filled in the Holy Ghost churches now. Yeah. And the reason why is because those people that are pursuing God in the fundamental movement are getting the Holy Spirit, and the people who are in the full gospel movement have actually been told to shut up and sit down. Don't say anything. Don't go wild in church. No, you need to go wild. You need to actually get to a place to where your time in church is your time before God. Yes, it's true. We have Sunday morning services, and in those Sunday morning services, we actually have invited the world into them. Why did we do that? We did that because the church is no longer procreating out in the world because of the persecution, the level of persecution that's being had inside of their life. So anytime that you mention Jesus to people, boy, you have to kind of wonder whether or not that, man, is this person going to actually turn me into my boss at work? Are they going to start talking, about, talking to me or talking about me to my friends? Or what they're going to do is just label me some kind of crazy weirdo. I'm going to wait for a better time. You know, all of these kinds of things really happen. But not if you come up through the fundamental movement. They think that it's absolutely awesome that they would be able to, you know, lead people and be filled with the Holy Ghost. They think that it's, it's a beautiful toy. But we're sitting here thinking we know more than anybody else. Well, you may know more than most, but let me help you. You need to be able to experience more than most just as well. So in, in Luke chapter 11, beginning with verse number 9, Jesus was saying these words. He said, so I say, ask, and it'll be given to you. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and it'll be opened to you. 
For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks the door will be opened. He said, and which of you, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will he give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, are you going to give him a scorpion? He said, if you then, though you're evil, he said, you know how to give good gifts to your kids, how much more will your father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those that ask him? Now, right here, this is what answers the question. Is that people will come and say, well, how do I know that if I ask God for the Holy Spirit that the, the devil doesn't give me a demon instead? How do I know that I'm just not getting a demon? Well, that's real simple. Take a look and see. He said, if you then, uh, go, give me verse 12. Just back up one, one slide. He said, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will you give him a snake? He said, or if you, he asks you for an egg, will you give him a scorpion? He said, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your kids. You give them eggs, you know, they ask for eggs, you don't give them a scorpion. You don't give them a rock. He said, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to them who ask him? So now, after that, we find this. We find Acts chapter 1. Verse number eight, write that down in your Bible. Just write that right there in, the, in your margin and you'll be able to lead somebody. In Acts chapter one, he said this. He said, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you'll be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea, unto Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. The power of the Holy Spirit works for you inside of your home. The power of the Holy Spirit works for you with your next door neighbors. Most people that I know, truthfully, in my own life, actually they want to influence the world when they don't influence their next door neighbor. Isn't that interesting? They're ready to influence the world but they're not ready to influence the person that they work with. They want to they go to Calcutta and minister to the homeless. But what it is is that they don't want to say anything to the guy from Calcutta that's inside of the 7-Eleven who's taking your money. It's a, I mean, really, if you're not effective... Or if you don't have the burning desire to be able to handle it with the people that you live with, don't expect to have the burning desire to help the people who are 9,000 miles away from you. Okay? So he said, you're going to receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. We talked about praying in the Spirit last night, the 10 reasons for praying in the Holy Spirit. We spoke about that. And that needs to be what you do all the time. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse number 2, the Bible tells us this. So you write that down. He said, He that speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not unto men, but unto God, for no man understands him. Don't worry about understanding it. You don't need to understand it. All you need to do is do it. One of the things that I like about the beach is that 
you can actually be praying in the Spirit. You can actually be speaking in tongues, walking down the Spirit, and raise up your hand and say hi to every nut that comes by because they don't know where you're from. They have no clue. I was in a store today, Linda and I. Well, I was, when I was in uh, Walgreens today, I was in Walgreens and there was, there was somebody there. I, I'm pretty sure they were Dutch. It was a mother and her two daughters, and, and they were, I have no clue whether they were Dutch or just speaking in tongues. I have no clue, but they were just doing it, you know. So you can just do that all the time. Remember 1 Corinthians 14, 17, the Apostle Paul said, I thank my God that I speak in tongues more than y'all. He was from Texas. More than y'all. Okay. So here, we verse, verse 2, he said, He that speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not unto men. You're not doing that to men. You're doing it unto God. He said, for, he said, for no man understands him. So don't worry about understanding it. Don't worry about it. As a matter of fact, all you're doing is tormenting yourself by wanting to understand it. So give up the understanding part and just get out there and just spend hours a day praying in the Spirit until all of a sudden you feel like corned beef hash inside your head. You just get out there and do it. Why? Because verse number four says this. He said, and he that speaks in an unknown tongue, it's only unknown to you. It's not unknown to God. He that speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself. He builds himself up. It's like a battery, a battery that actually needs to be recharged. And so praying in the spirit actually recharges you. He said, but he that prophesies all he does is he edifies the church, but the guy who speaks in tongues actually builds himself up. You build you up when you pray in the Spirit. No one in the world needs to know you're praying in the Spirit. Even that crazy guy you're married to, he doesn't need to know anything. He doesn't listen anyway. So just, you know, I mean, just, just think about that. But then... After that, our next verse here, you go from 1 Corinthians 14.4. Let's go to our next, to the next verse that we have. In Acts chapter 19, verse number 6. Here we find in Acts chapter 19, the Apostle Paul is now traveling into the churches that, that really had received Jesus uh, up until this time. But he gets to, he gets to Ephesus and he comes to these, through these upper coasts, and he comes to Ephesus, and the Bible says that he finds certain disciples. Now, this, um, if you, you come down, uh, you actually come to verse number five, and here's what it says. It says that right at this particular point, the Apostle Paul says to him, he says, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? They said, we didn't, we never even heard that there was such a thing as the Holy Ghost. He said, unto what then were you baptized? They said, we were baptized unto John's baptism. And so he told them that what they needed to do was that they needed to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when, here we are, verse 6, and when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. 
Actually, another verse says, and they all spoke with tongues. Because remember there, now we, I believe we go to Acts chapter 2 from there. Let's see, what do we have next? Oh, you know what? Now let's, yeah, you know what? Let's go to Acts chapter 2. Let's go, Acts chapter 2, verse number 4. You, I don't need it from you guys back there if you don't have it. But Acts chapter 2, verse number 4, it, and it says, let's go back to verse number 1. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all together with one accord and in one place. They were all together. And there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And after that, it filled the whole place wherein they were sitting. And then they were all filled. How many of them were filled? All of them filled. It says, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke with tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. All of them were. Because what happens is, in churches like ours, is that not all people believe that they are to speak with other tongues. That's where those two things come from. They say, that's not my gift. Well, no, wait a minute. We're not talking about a gift of the Spirit to you. We're talking to you about the infilling of the Spirit, which all believers are to have. Throughout, and, and I'll just mention this to you, throughout the Scriptures, the Bible talks about how that they needed to be filled over and over and over again. Acts chapter 4, verse number, oh, beginning with verse number 24. What happened was, was that Peter and John actually were now being persecuted for the guy that got healed in the temple in Acts chapter 3, who had actually come before that temple for 38 years. He was laid there, and he asked alms of Peter and John. So Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And his ankle bones received strength. And he stood upon his feet. And he walked and he leaped and he praised God. And he went into the temple leaping and praising God. And all of the Jews were in the temple. And they said, what in the world has happened with this guy? But now what they did was they, were, they confiscated Peter and John, took, him in, took them in front of the Jewish leaders and beat them. He told them that, look, we told you not to speak in the name of Jesus. They said, well, what are we going to do? We don't know. Here's this guy. He can't walk and he's blocking the door. So what it was was that we didn't give him any money. You guys wanted to give him some money. We just gave him what we had. And we just told him in the name of Jesus, get up off the ground and start rejoicing and praising God. And they, they beat him and sent them back to their people. And when they came together, they actually, beginning with verse number 24 in Acts chapter 4, that said they began to pray together. And they said in verse number 30, in Acts chapter 4, verse 30, it said, it said that they, and they said to the Lord, 
Lord, behold their threatenings. And grant unto your servants that with all boldness that they may be able to speak your word by stretching forth your hand to heal, and that signs and wonders would be done by the name of your holy child, Jesus. And when they prayed that prayer, the whole house wherein they were was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. But it says nothing about tongues. Why? Because the Holy Spirit over and over and over again wants to fill you with His Spirit. Why does He want to do that? Because you leak. Just like a slow leak in a tire. People leak the Holy Ghost out. So you need to be filled over and over and over and over again. That's why coming together for prayer, praying in the Spirit, getting serious about understanding how to groan in the Spirit before God, to begin to birth things. The Holy Spirit begins to move upon you. And when He begins to move upon you, He begins to show you the kind of things that He cares about not just the things that you care. He begins to say, okay, I hear I've got this one here, and I can put my burden upon them. And remember that verse we spoke about last night in Galatians 4.19, where the Apostle Paul said that I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. I'm groaning and I'm travailing in the spirit until Christ is formed in you. It's just, I've just, I, I, I can't, I can't handle it. Christ must be formed in you. I can't form Christ in you. Only the Holy Spirit can. Linda and I were talking today about, you know, a lot of times you can think you don't have anything to offer. Did you ever feel like you didn't have anything to offer? Like you thought, my goodness gracious, man, I don't have anything to offer. The kind of things I have to offer you know, nobody wants. Did you ever think that? Say yes. Yeah, you did. <laughs> I know you did. <clears throat> but remember this. What you have to offer was given to you by God. That's first. Now, the different cultural necessities. See, you can't. Other people don't have what you have. They don't. Because remember this, anything that is a duplicate makes one thing unnecessary. You are unique. Your DNA is unique. That's the reason why that they could actually pick you out of a crowd. Same thing is true with your, with your spiritual gift. Your spiritual gift has so much different DNA inside of it based upon where you came from. How you see things. Other people don't see what you see. Why? You have a unique experience that brought you to the place with the gift that you have. So all you need to do, <clears throat> let's say in life what you want to do, you, you are very, very, you, you're a very hospitable person, but you think other people are, are more hospitable than you. I said, well, okay, why are people more hospitable than you? Well, look at what they know how to do. You know, look at the way that they can fix the table. Look at the way that they can do this. Look at the way that they can do all that. I said, no, wait a second. 
That isn't a gift from God. That's looking at Instagram. <laughs> See, but most of those people that know how to put that stuff on the outside, they don't have, they don't have it on the inside. What you have has been given to you on the inside. Now learn what you need to learn on the outside, and you will express God to every person. When people walk into our home, they walk into our home and they say, "This so That's because Linda and I won't have anything else but peace environment. No agitation around me. None. Holy Spirit, not like agitation. He's peaceful. Jesus said, my peace, I leave with you. My peace, I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give it unto you. I'm giving it to you. I'm giving you mine. Ephesians 2.14 says that Jesus is your peace. And Proverbs 14.30 says, so that life is given to your body. Jesus is your peace. So God will give you life in your body. So in Acts 2.4 says, and all people were filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke with tongues. Everybody does. Everybody in this room, as far as God is concerned, needs to spend a lot of time praying in the Spirit. Why is that? Because you have to live here. It takes a lot of, a lot of tongue wagon to get over the stuff that is thrown at us every day. There's too much. That's the reason why that I don't look at social media. I don't look at it. Because there's too much information that's being thrown around. You never become you when you start looking at social media, you're never you. You always try to over, overshadow someone else. You're never yourself anymore. So any unique experience that God wants to give you is absent during that time. Why do people drink? Interesting thought, out of wherever. But why do they, why do, they do that? Well, you know, the Bible never says, you know, that you can't. Well, I never said it said that. But bring up Ephesians 5.18 for me. He said, don't be drunk with wine where, wherein is excess. But notice the NLT says, because that will ruin your life. Now, it's kind of like smoking. A lot of people, how many of you used to smoke? Used to smoke. How many of you quit smoking? You quit smoking. Same amount of people. Yeah, yeah I mean, why? Because you read, you read the side of the package, and the package <laughs> said, smoking can be hazardous to your health. Man, you go in other countries, boy, I'm telling you, they put up some signs. 
They show you the pictures of everything. I mean, it is like rotten. It's like horrible stuff that they show you. I mean, it's really bad. But, but why do you do it? You read that. Faith came by hearing. You said, I'm going to stop that. But now, why do people drink? Because they gave up. Holy Spirit in their lives. And they have to do what they do to fill the void that they have. Because the part that the Holy Spirit had played in people's lives, they're not looking for an answer. So they look to another spirit to fill that void. Well, yeah, but I don't think it's a sin. I didn't say it was a sin. But do you think that it's wrong to actually substitute something for the Holy Spirit's presence in your life? That's what the Ephesian church did. Why do you think that Jesus said to them, he said, you know, you guys are awesome. Man, you do the word, you, you know, the most spiritual church in all of the scriptures. What did he say? What did he say? He said, I have one thing against you. You remember that? What did he say? He said, because you have what? Left your first love. What happens? People begin to get disappointed. They think I've been standing so long. Is God ever going to come through? My friends have rejected me. I don't have anyone in life. I'll never forget it when I used to work for United Parcel Service a long time ago. When they delivered with horse and buggy. It, and... Uh, I remembered how everyone wanted to hang around with me. All I needed to do is just go out drinking with them after work. And you know, I got so disappointed and so lonely. That I made the decision. I just want to be one of the guys. I just want people to like me for a change. Instead of feeling like I'm always left out. I would buy Linda a dress. I'd bring her home flowers. And they'd make fun of me. I was in the doghouse. I said, no, I said the flowers keep the nails in the door from opening you're making us look bad. You look bad. I just love my wife like Christ loved the church. That's all. And the more I told myself that, all of a sudden it brought me to the dress shop. Took me to the, took me to the florist because I loved her. You see, there's a difference in between loving someone and being in love with someone. 
the very same way. But you were in love with God when you first met him. Same way that you seemingly like a lot of love with the person that you're married to. You love them, you always will. You even love the people you divorced. You'll never be able to stop that. That's the way you're wired. But being in love with them, you never got a divorce because you didn't love somebody. You got a divorce because you didn't like someone. The reason why that many people stop praying in the Spirit Because they're disappointed. They're disappointed in their marriage with God. That's the reason why that the Apostle Paul said to Timothy that what you are to do is that you are to stir up the gift of God which is in you by the laying on of my hands and the hands of the presbytery. You need to begin to stir that thing up in your life. I'll, I'll never... We'll get this. In 2 Chronicles chapter 5, verses 13 and 14, let's take a look and see what those two scriptures are. Just come down a few more slides, maybe. In 2 Chronicles chapter 5, verse number 13, he said, and it came to pass, that when the trumpeters and singers were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, and his mercy endures forever. That then the house was filled with a cloud, even the house of the Lord so that the priests could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. Can you imagine that people came together for one purpose and one purpose only? That what they were doing was that when they came together, they went to church for God. They didn't go for themselves. That when they went there, what they did was they actually were there to worship God. They did not care what any of that meant. They did not care what it looked like to anyone. And as the trumpeters and singers were as one to to be heard or to make one sound, to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord, that then the house was filled with a cloud even the house of the Lord, so that the priest could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud. They could not stand up because of the presence of God in that place, so that they could no longer minister because of that cloud, for the glory of the the Lord had filled the house of God. That is where God wants to take the church. 
Because when they come together, they come together for him. When you come together, you bring your gift to God. The gift of who you are. The gift of what he has placed in you. And you play it before God as though it were music to him. And remember who Lucifer was? Is it all music, all sound for God that played through him? And Jesus is now the one whom we play through. Why? Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 15 said, So then let us offer unto God thanksgiving, which is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Let's offer unto God thanks. Let's offer to God thanksgiving. Because we're a thankful people. We're so thankful to God. We're so thankful. We're so grateful. We're so grateful. We're so blessed. We're so blessed. We're so blessed. So blessed. Does anyone have a question about anything that I talked about tonight? You see if you can stump me. Anybody? Roxanne's got the microphone. Anyone? Anyone want to talk, or have you just all received the chicken spirit? Anybody? It takes time. I mean, it takes time to learn how to ask questions. But yet, what you have to know is that your life is determined by questions. The quality of your life is determined by the quality of questions that you're able to ask. Always look for questions. Your, remember this, your spirit, your spirit has been programmed by God to search things out. Isn't that true? Oh, wait a minute. For the Spirit searches all things, yea, even the deep things of God. Your Spirit searches. You look for it. That's the reason why you ask questions. Because questions cause you to search. Statements don't cause you to search. Only questions cause you to search. This question. So anyone before I give this back to Pastor Chris, I know that you are all so, you have learned so well. But I wanted tonight to be able to give you all of those things so that you will be able to be bold enough to be able to use God's word for the life of another who is in need of being filled with the Holy Ghost because people need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. They do. They need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Isn't that true? Man, you just need... And, and for yourself, when you begin to exercise, The Holy Spirit's presence in your life, what that does is that creates an attraction. Why is it that when you, when you are in love with God, you're praying in the Spirit all the time? 
But you never quit praying in the Spirit until all of a sudden you were disillusioned or disappointed. Really true. Isn't it? Really true. Thanks so much. Thanks so much. We'll see you Sunday morning, Pastor Chris. Thank you for listening to this episode of Relevant Live with Pastor Chris. If you are interested in learning more about Relevant Church, we invite you to visit us today at relevantfl.org. And don't forget to subscribe to our channel to hear more messages like this one every single week. And as always, welcome home.